Welcome to A Year with Jesus. I'm Bill. And I'm Philip. This week, we're spending some time looking at Matthew chapters 8 and 9, considering how we can better think, live, and love like Jesus. So, Philip, a week ago, we concluded the Sermon on the Mount, and we just saw the most incredible teachings from the most incredible person. And now in chapter 8, we're going to see him in action. And what stands out to you in the text here? Well, the people could recognize from Jesus preaching that there was tremendous authority in his words. And now we're going to see that that's not just because he was intelligent or an expert, but that he has divine authority because we are starting to see the miraculous power of Jesus in these chapters. Yes, that it's crazy to me that the people that he does these things towards in chapter 8 will be like a leper. There'll be this, this Gentile. There'll be this unnamed woman. You know, none of these people are really impressive as far as a social class is concerned. But Jesus has compassion on people who really need help. There's a willingness, like he says, I am willing, be clean. What stands out to you about his person? Well, Jesus here is applauding great faith Mm. and he's serving in a way. Right, He's serving these people by performing these miracles for them. He's serving even Peter's mother-in-law so that they can receive the blessings that he's come to give. I'm really impressed with the compassion that he is showing here. I think we have to celebrate the faith of the centurion in chapter 8 that Jesus would say, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And that faith was in Jesus' ability to perform things without being present. And just in Jesus' authority over all of creation and even over our lives. Yeah. And so you see the great faith of the people willing to come to him. And again, you see this approachability. I believe in Jesus. Jesus doesn't believe that anyone is too repugnant. He doesn't believe that anyone is too repulsive. He doesn't. He just, I mean, think about leprosy, how disgusting it would have been, how gross it would have been. But I think no one felt too unclean to come to Jesus. And that does not mean that we are irreverent. That does not mean that we don't respect the person of Jesus and, or anything like that, but they come to Jesus and people are willing to come and he sees them and he acts and he does what they need. That's really great, Bill. So as this variety of people have come to Jesus, we see that some choices have to be made in verse 18 to you know, verse 23, where excuses are being made and yet his disciples get in the boat and then their faith gets tested. Mm-hmm. Again, you just imagine he's doing all of these things. People would naturally want to follow but he wants commitment. He doesn't want just some rash commitment. He wants. He doesn't want you to be swept away by by your emotions. He wants people to think about what what's going to happen for you to come and for you to have to follow after Jesus. And for those that do follow him, the evidence only builds. Mm-hmm. All the evidence of his compassion and now all this evidence of great miraculous power. We see that Matthew sets out for us well-chosen miracles that demonstrate not just his ability to heal and power over sickness, but also power over nature with the weather, as well as power over the demons, the evil spirits that were there in the life of Christ. And that he's doing all of this because of the value that he sees in us, that he's exerting all of this power for our sake. I always think it always stands out to me whenever he casts out the demons, just how much money they would have lost in in that town, in the capitalists. And and again, Jesus is more concerned for people. They prefer the pigs to Jesus. They ask Jesus to leave because they're upset about their pigs. And again, like he's hurting their pocketbooks. But what about us? And I I think like we've already talked about, if Jesus, if we're willing to follow Jesus, just look into chapter nine, the things that Jesus offers. 
you know, there's this yes. paralytic that comes to him. Yeah, in chapter 9, now we see not just authority and power over nature or over demons, but now we see authority and power to forgive sins. I love, love, love this story because I can remember a sermon about this. I was going to college, but my dad called me, was so excited. He was like, son, they are ripping the roof off. Mm-hmm. And because my dad has done a lot of roofing with his line of work, this really resonated with him. And so I just imagine these friends that want their friend who is in desperate need to come to Jesus. And boy, what a strong personal application for us. And, and, and again, who are you surrounding yourself with? Do you have friends who are willing to do this sort of thing? Do you have friends that are willing to rip the roof to, to even, you know, put their own physical self at harm? to make sure that you get to Jesus and right. bring you to the, his feet. There's just no barrier there that's going to stop him. And when you meet Matthew in chapter 9, he doesn't have friends like that, mm-hmm. right? And he has a lot of barriers in order to let go and walk with Christ. What do you love about Matthew's introduction here? So I think that, Ma- so first of all, Matthew, what I really appreciate is that Matthew's writing this book. This is the book, you know, the gospel of Matthew. And as Matthew introduces himself, he's not trying to he's not trying to dress himself up in this nice, pretty way. He was he was sitting in the tax collector's booth. The people he brings invites people to his house, and these are the people that were his friends, tax collectors and sinners. They were coming and dining with Jesus. But it seems like Matthew is trying to be like one of those four friends. You know what I mean? He's trying to bring his spiritually paralyzed friends to Jesus. Matthew understands that he was sick, and now in Jesus he'll find healing. I think he's trying to help his friends find that as well. But the Pharisees, they clearly, they don't see it. Why not? Right. They're so distracted with their own sense of self-importance. They can't imagine someone that would spend their time with the tax collectors and sinners. And so Jesus has to give this awesome quote, I desire compassion. We see the heart of Jesus here. And when when we're trying to actually think more like Jesus and love more like Jesus, this is one of those chapters that stirs us to say, have I shown this compassion to the Matthew in my life? Mm -hmm. Or have I counted them out? Have I said, no, no, that person would never accept the Lord? No, I need to remember the compassion that Jesus has spoken about. And I love this because it's actually a quote from Hosea chapter 6. And I love the Old Testament. I love the prophets. So I won't get into it a ton. But again, in the book of Hosea, you have a group of people who don't love God the ways in which they're supposed to love God. And this is what God says. He says, stop making it just this ritual. Stop making it this just traditional thing. It's the heart. It's real love. And God is able to see that. He sees the faith of the paralytic. He sees the faith of Matthew. And he sees the hardness of heart. For the Pharisees as well. You know, and the Pharisees begin to ask some questions because they start to notice just how different Jesus really is, just how unique Jesus really is. And so Jesus uses this parable about putting an unshrunk cloth on an old garment and things getting ripped and torn apart or these wineskins that are bursting. And I think it's important for those that are reading and studying along with us in Matthew chapter 9 to remember that Jesus is not suggesting that we conform our message or conform our lives to the culture around us. When he talks about these these clothes being ripped or these wineskins being burst, what he's actually telling us to do is to live in a very countercultural way, not to just blend in with what's popular or acceptable in our society today, but instead to make him and his kingdom the standard. Jesus came to bring in something new. He did not come to patch up the old. And by the way, the old also includes, like you're saying, 
our culture. That's the old. Those are things that have got to be put away. And, and if I'm trying to take the gospel of Jesus and work it into my framework of what religion should be or work it into my framework of, of what life should be, it's going to burst. You know, it's going to ruin, in fact, yes. everything because it just won't fit. So as the chapter winds down, we see that Jesus continues to demonstrate great compassion, but he introduces this analogy. He says that when he looks out, he sees sheep. What's so significant about this? Yeah, because, you know, th- this whole this whole text, he is seeing people who are lost. He's seeing people who are broke. He's seeing people who are lame. And he's he does all these miracles and, and healing them, people who feel like they can't come to Jesus, like the woman with the flow of blood, people who are at the point of death, like the 12-year-old girl. And Jesus is a shepherd who wants to take care of his sheep. But he's trying to bring us into this work as well, Philip. Yes. So I think the big personal application for us has to be, Am I pointing people towards the shepherd? Am I acknowledging that not only does he teach incredible things, but he has done incredible things mm-hmm. so that we will follow him? What do you think about with our friends and our coworkers? What's the collective application here? Yeah, I, I think with our coworkers, we need to see them as workers, that we're all working together. This is There's not some competition we need to have faith in God and try to bring people to the feet of the Lord. But I think just with the world, we need to see them as a harvest. And there are opportunities. And maybe if we could start seeing more with the eyes of Jesus, where we might see those paralyzed people who are trying to come to Jesus. We might see those Matthews who are trying to come to Jesus. We might see those women with the flow of blood who are trying to come to Jesus. Yeah, and then we can be that friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can be that friend that helps them come to the Lord not just for some physical benefit, but ultimately for the forgiveness of their sins. These are great chapters, aren't they? I love they? this. Yeah, so good. Well, thank you for joining us again this week on A Year with Jesus. If you would like to follow along in our reading plan, please feel free to visit embryhills.com slash podcast for the full reading schedule. Join us next week 